Good morning, First United Methodist Church and everyone else joining us online. Thank you for being here this morning and for being a part of week one of our two-week series called Disconnected. We're really excited about this series. I really feel like you're going to find out in a moment that it's extremely applicable for where we all are in uh, today's society and in today's world. But before we get into that, I want to go ahead and read our primary scripture for us this morning. You're going to find our primary scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. It says this, This entire commandment that I command you today, you must diligently observe, so that you may live and increase, and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The clothes on your back did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as I said, I'm extremely excited about this disconnected series. Many of you know that as we prepare for sermons, Rick and the, and the rest of the, the preaching team, we gather together with other pastors and we spend time praying and discerning where the Lord might be leading us, what we should be focusing on two, three, four, even five to six months in advance. So three or four months ago, I knew I was going to be writing this disconnected series. And so three or four months ago, I was working on this disconnected series. I was working on this series before all of the craziness with COVID-19, before we were closing down Easter services, before we were all being shut up in our homes and in quarantine. And would you believe two or three months ago, before all that was happening, as I was meditating on this sermon, I wrote this question. What if we slowed down? <laughs> what if we slowed down? I want to pause for a moment for you to laugh and get your composure because that just seems like a ridiculous question for us where we're at right now. We're all shut up in our homes. We're all quarantined. What if we slow down? But I think if we're all going to be honest, if I'm going to be honest with myself and if you're going to be honest with yourself, that is a question that we should have been asking ourselves a long, long time ago. And if we're all going to be honest with ourselves, I would even venture to say that what if we slowed down is a question that we should be asking ourselves right now, right where we're at. What if we slowed down? See, there's, there's no doubt that all of us have been impacted by the current pandemic and, and the quarantine and all the changes. Uh, many of us are spending more time at home and, and less time out of the house if there, but there's one thing that our current normal day has taught me, it's this. Time was never the problem. The amount of time that I had available to me, the amount of time that I had at my disposal was never really the issue. See, with 
Right now, I have more time on my hands than I've had since I graduated high school. And so you would think with more time, I would be less busy. But unfortunately, what I've realized is I'm not less busy. I've just transferred my busyness from one group of things to another. As I look at the past several weeks that my family and I have been sheltering in place, I'm still just as busy as I've always been. I'm, I'm doing yard work more, and I'm doing more things around the house, and I'm, I'm scrolling Facebook and, and Instagram and social media more often. I've watched a whole lot more YouTube videos. See, I'm not less busy. I'm just as busy, if not more. And so they... In this time and in this place, that's a question that we need to be asking ourselves. Why? Why can't we slow down? Why do we always have to be doing things? Why do we always have to be working? Why do we have this desire to always be striving and working and busy? What I have to say is I've looked at our text and as I've spent time meditating on it and praying, I think uh, we might find that we struggle with slowing down because we haven't learned the same lesson that God the Father was trying to teach the nation of Israel so many years ago. Now, I'd like to, to read that text for us again, just so we, that we can go over it one more time before we dig a little bit deeper. But before I do that, I want to set a little bit of context around this scripture that I think will help us understand it and understand the significance of what God is saying in this text. And so I, I want to point out again that our, our main scripture for the day comes from the book of Deuteronomy. And the book of Deuteronomy is a significant word of God. The book of Deuteronomy is set at the edge of a, of a great transition in the life of the nation of Israel. You see, Israel had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. See, God's intention, his desire was for his people to enter into the promised land. And uh, early on, after the Exodus, they were preparing to enter into the desert. And they sent 12 spies to spy out the land. And those 12 spies came back, and 10 of the 12 were terrified. They said, don't go in. There's, there's giants in the land. It's a scary land. And we would appear like grasshoppers before them. Let's, let's not do this. And so they inspired the nation to rebel against the Lord's wishes to bless them. And as a consequence of their refusal to go into the promised land, this first generation was told by the Lord that they would wander in the desert for 40 years and that the nation would not enter into the promised land until that first generation had all passed away in the desert. Except, of course, for the, the two faithful spies, Joshua and Caleb, who were faithful to God's commands despite everyone else's fears. So Deuteronomy places us right at the moment of that transition. Right at the moment when all of the, the first generation had passed away and the second generation is, is right on the edge of entering into this, this good land flowing with milk and honey that the, that the Lord desired to gift to them. We're, we're right at the edge of that. I want you to try, to try to imagine with me the level of anticipation that these people were feeling. 
I mean, we get, we get irritated and impatient waiting 40 seconds for someone to reply to our text message. But this group of people that we're hearing about in the book of Deuteronomy, they've waited 40 years, 40 years to enter in to a promise that God made to his people many, many years ago. Now, believe it or not, this significant transition of taking hold of the promise the Lord has offered them is not the only thing that makes the book of Deuteronomy an important book. Uh, The book of Deuteronomy is also the last words, or it might be better yet said, the, the last sermons of Moses, their leader. See, during the the desert wanderings, Moses, too, found himself being unfaithful to some of the Lord's commandments. And as a consequence of that unfaithfulness, he, too, was told he would not be allowed to enter into the promised land. So he is preparing his people to transition without his leadership. So as a good and faithful leader, he's doing the best he can to prepare this second generation of people to go into that promised land. He's preparing them, and his hope is that in talking to them, he might prevent them from falling into the same trap of rebellion that that their ancestors did. So in an effort to prepare them, he's retelling the history of the people of the nation of Israel. And along with retelling the history, he's also retelling the commandments of God. And in fact, you'll find that uh, the Greek meaning of the word Deuteronomy is second law. Or you might say it's, it said a second giving of the law. The very name of the book describes what it actually is. It's Moses retelling, re-giving the commandments of God to his people. So with that context in mind, I want you to sit back and relax with me, and I want you to to listen to these words again, knowing the context. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 says, This entire commandment that I command you today, you must diligently observe, so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you that he might know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, which with neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of of the Lord. The clothes on your back did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I was studying up on on Deuteronomy chapter 8, I came across a fantastic book called The Three Mile an Hour God by Kasuki Koyama. And the whole preface of this book is that most human beings we walk at a pace of about three miles an hour. And so the whole premise of the book is that God typically works among us at that slow of a pace. And Mr. Koyama says this about the scripture we just read. This scripture teaches us that man does not live on bread alone. God spent 40 years to teach this lesson. 40 years. 40 
years, putting forth effort to, to prepare his people for this moment. The sheer amount of time that God has spent trying to teach his people this lesson ought to reveal to us how important God thinks that this lesson is. 40 years trying to build a culture in the life of his people to learn and understand that one does not live on bread alone. I think a good question to ask as we sit huddled with our families in our living rooms is why? Why would God spend so much time trying to teach this lesson to the nation of Israel? Why would he spend so much time? Why would he spend 40 years focused on we do not live on bread alone? Well, again, I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, one of the reasons why God focused so much on this lesson is because that's how we try to live. We try to live as if all we really need is bread. All we really need is, <laughs> is coffee or Mountain Dew. That's how we live. We live that really all we need is our, is our basic needs met, and we can take care of that ourselves. We try to live on bread alone. Now, of course, for you and me, uh, we don't think in those terms. Uh, we, th we don't think in terms of, am I going to have a loaf of bread today or a loaf of bread tomorrow? We think more in financial terms. We try to live our lives on money. Are we going to have enough money? If we just have enough money, we'll be okay. So we live our lives trying to be self-sufficient. And we do that for a very significant reason. See, if we can be self-sufficient, that means we can avoid the wilderness. We can avoid a situation where we have to be dependent on God. Because the, the wilderness requires us to be obedient requires us to depend on God because we have no means of providing for ourselves. But here's what, what I've found to be true as I've, as I've looked at Deuteronomy chapter 8. The manna that the Lord provided, this, this, this miraculous provision of heavenly bread, the point of the manna was not to prove that God could bake bread. Can we all agree on that? God wasn't out to prove that he was a good baker. That wasn't the point of providing the manna. The point of the manna was to test if God's people would be faithful to his words. And I think Exodus 16.4 does a wonderful job of illustrating for us that very point. I want to read for you Exodus 16.4. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instructions or not. Did you catch that? Did you hear those crucial words written into that scripture? Each day and enough for that day. 
It is only in the experience of the wilderness. It's only in those moments where we can't provide for ourselves that God can teach us to depend on him. And that's what was going on uh, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8. The Lord was trying to teach his people to depend on him. But there's a problem. There's a problem for the nation of Israel, and there's a problem for you and I today. The problem is, is that we've disconnected work from God. Rather than work being a means in which God has provided for us, we see work as a way in which we can provide for ourselves. I want to say that again. We have stopped seeing work as a means of God providing for us. We've disconnected God from work. And we've connected to this idea that work is really just a way that we can provide for ourselves. It's interesting. In in the desert, I like to think about what other ways God could have responded to the crisis. In the desert, God had limitless options to resolve the hunger issue that the nation of Israel was facing. Do you believe that? I mean, don't we, don't we believe that God is all-powerful and can, can move and work as he sees fit? If that's the case, then God could have miraculously removed the nation of Israel's need for food. That would have been a, a way to guarantee their survival in the desert. Or maybe God could have created this scenario where every morning when, is, when the Israelites woke up, there was a loaf of bread under their pillow. Like God was some kind of magical bread fairy of the Old Testament. God could have met the need that way, right? But look what God did. God attached his daily provision with the daily work of the Israelites. For 40 years, the nation of Israel, yes, wandered in the desert. But for 40 years, the nation of Israel was also blessed to experience the Lord's faithfulness daily. Daily, the Lord would rain down manna. Daily, their need for food would be met. See, God's desire was not to just simply keep the nation of Israel from starving to death in the desert. That, that was part of his intention. Don't get me wrong. God is a good God, and he doesn't want any of us starving. But I think God had a much deeper meaning behind how he provided the food. See, God was working creatively to create a connection, to develop a relationship of trust between him and his people. He was trying to create a relationship of trust that as the nation of Israel put in their daily work, they could trust that he would respond with daily provision. God was working to teach his people that one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know, this sermon actually reminds me of a conversation I I had with my friend Roman. Many of you guys know Roman, great guy. And uh, he and I were having coffee, and I was venting to him about some some financial challenges that 
that I was going through. And if I'm going to be honest, it was probably more worrying, camouflage just venting. I don't know if y'all ever do that, but I do that sometimes. I say I'm just venting, but I'm just verbally ver- worrying out loud in front of somebody else. But after I had finished venting slash worrying, I'll never forget what Roman said. He looked at me and he said, you know, sometimes I find myself expecting God to provide monthly bread. And when I find myself expecting God to provide monthly bread, I get really frustrated and I get really impatient and get annoyed and irritable. But when I change my perspective and I trust the Lord to provide daily bread, I start seeing his faithfulness. And I start seeing his provision. So as we sit here today contemplating Deuteronomy chapter 8, I think we should ask ourselves, how can we disconnect from our own ability to provide for ourselves and reconnect God to work being a way in which he provides for us. How can we do that? Well, again, I appreciate the words of Kasuki Koyama uh, in his book, The Three Mile an Hour God. He says that I find that God works slowly in his education process with man. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen, that the Lord works slowly, three miles an hour, as we walk along together. So these changes that we're talking about, this transition to to trusting the Lord to provide for us, to, to disconnect from our ability to provide for ourselves and reconnect to a dependence on the Lord providing for us, that's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. But step by step, I believe that we can reconnect God to work and we can allow it to fuel our dependence on him rather than our dependence on ourselves. So I have, so I have three steps for us today on how we can reconnect to God in terms of our work. The first step is to start the day with the Lord's prayer. So many of us, we wake up, and, and even before our feet hit the ground, we're, we're off to the races. We're, we're grabbing our phones, and we're looking at social media to find out uh, how horrible the pandemic is and, and all the difficulties people are facing and, and just catch up on whatever's going on around the world. And then when we're done doing that, we switch right to our email, and we're looking through our email trying to figure out what we're going to do that day, how we're going to work Zooms in to feeding the kids breakfast, and, and we're just off to the races before our feet even touch the carpet in our bedrooms. I want to invite you to to discipline yourself to before you ever throw the covers off of your feet, before you reach for your phone, to take a moment to recite the Lord's Prayer. It's amazing. Right in the middle, right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer is an opportunity for you to reconnect your trust in the Lord to provide for you, to reconnect yourself to God being your provision. Right in the middle of the Lord's prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. So I think a wonderful way for us to reconnect to God is to to start our day with a request and a declaration that we're going to depend on God to meet our daily needs. The second step is is a little more challenging, I'm going to admit. Uh, The second step is to wonder, don't worry. 
I want us to learn to wonder, don't worry. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 tells us, therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Now, if you know me, you know I'm, a, I'm an admitted worrier. I battle anxiety and, and, and stress has a particularly weighty impact on me, so I know how easy it is to get blinded by worry. I know how easy it is to, to worry about how you're going to pay bills if you lose your job during this pandemic. Uh, how are you going to find a new job if you have lost your job? What, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? Those are questions that haunt me as well. But rather than worry about those things, I want to invite you to start wondering about them. Instead of worrying about how you're going to pay your bills, begin to say to yourself, God knows my needs. I wonder how he's going to provide so that I can pay my bills. I wonder how the Lord's going to orchestrate details so that I can find that new job. I know that no matter what happens, God is with me, and so I wonder how he's going to see me through what I'm facing right now. See, we're taking the same circumstance, and we're expressing a dependence on God's provision instead of worrying about our inability to provide for ourselves. The last step is to walk humbly. Micah 6.8 has encouraged generation after generation of generation to walk in obedience with the Lord. So I want to read it for you. Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O mortal, what is good? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. See, the times that we're in right now, the, the sheer fact that we're not in the same room together enjoying the community and the fellowship uh, of church life together, it ought to be a stark wake-up call for us that all of us are susceptible to financial crisis. All of us are vulnerable to hardships and unexpected situations. All of us are. But what my hope is, instead of that striking fear in our heart, I hope it inspires humility in our hearts. That we're equal, that, the, that the, we are all equally dependent on God's daily provision. And not just our daily provision in bread, but we're also, according to Scripture, dependent on God for our daily breath. That ought to humble us. Not only do we need God to provide financially for us, we need God to provide our very breath. Just think about that for a few moments. Let that humble you. You know, a fantastic way that I've found to, to practice humility is worship. Now, when we think about worship, a lot of times we think that that's associated with music, and that is a wonderful form of worship. Going in a private place and singing songs to the Lord, that's great. I, I encourage that. But journaling is a form of worship. Writing down what you're thankful for, for the, from the Lord. Conversation 
is worship. Sitting down with a trusted friend or family member, getting on a Zoom call and saying, thank you, Lord, for this. I I thank God that he's met my need this way. I didn't believe that God was going to meet my needs, but all of a sudden he came through in a way that I didn't expect. Those are forms of worship as well. And so I want to invite you this week to, to put forth effort to take three small steps to start your day with the Lord's Prayer, to wonder, not worry, and to walk humbly. Walk in your life with the understanding that it is the Lord who provides. We can't just live on financial support. We need the words and the wisdom and the leadership of Lord Jesus. And so to help with that, I know all of us are staring at screens a significant, <laughs> more significant amount of time than we normally would or would much prefer. But we've, we've, we're going to create a, a simple graphic that's going to be posted along with this sermon that you can pull off of the internet and save to your phone. Maybe you make it your screensaver. Uh, maybe you just look at it each morning just as a reminder of these three steps to disconnect from your idea that you can provide for yourself, that you can provide your daily bread and reconnect with the reality that God can provide for you and that he will provide for you.